evening. This is the Wine of Life podcast. I'm Pastor Wes. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the Beth Moore conundrum that the uh, Southern Baptist Convention is now presented with. Now, this is not about Beth Moore. Um, I know it's just in the title, but uh, the point is is to bring up the Southern Baptist leadership and the people who have moved on from the Southern Baptist um, denomination and what that means for the Southern Baptist denomination. Now, Beth Moore is one of them. Uh, she is now uh, an Anglican. Uh, we also have Jared Longshore, who is part of Founders Ministry, who was a pastor in Florida. He has moved to um, Moscow, Idaho, and become part or is partaking in the uh, Doug Wilson experience situation. Doug Wilson of the Federal Vision, a pretty controversial figure, uh, but is sort of Presbyterian, not not mainstream Presbyterian, sort of a different type of Presbyterianism. And then uh, Russell Moore has joined. He was the head of the ERLC at the Southern Baptist Convention. He has joined uh, Emmanuel Church in Tennessee. Now, all three of these uh, churches um, practice infant baptism, which is obviously something that's significantly different than what the... uh, Baptists teach and preach, uh, and these people were leaders, and not they weren't just people who are uh, sort of going through faith crisis, they were struggling, they were people in the pews, but they were actually leaders uh, for decades in some cases. Uh, they taught Southern Baptist people for decades, and then they moved on. Now for... Um, Jared Longshore, he left his church, I believe, in September. By November, he was doing um, videos, podcasts for Canon Press, uh, which is the the press that uh, Doug Wilson and, and that that uh, group uses. Uh, and like I said, they were Presbyterians. He's already teaching. Um, Russell Moore went from the Southern Baptist. Uh, denomination to the Emmanuel Church, and he was the he is now the minister in residence there. So not only did they leave, I know Beth Moore is just going; she's just attend, going to an Anglican church. I don't know if uh, I don't believe she's teaching or anything like that. Uh, but she has moved on. Uh, but the other two, in particular, which is strange, is that they moved on so quickly and are now leaders or um, teachers within those groups that are that teach significantly different um, doctrine than the Baptist Church does. Now, people would say all of these three are in the evangelical tradition, which is true. We're not talking about a change of faith. It's not like they're worshiping another god or anything. But we are talking significant differences in the way that we view the church. The distinctions uh, within the denominations they aren't insignificant. Um, the idea of believer's baptism predates the Reformation. It goes back to the Waldensians uh, from Waldo in the 11th century. Some say it actually predates that to the 9th century, uh, which the Roman Catholic Church quite viciously persecuted. But then you have the um, 
Anabaptists as well, who were known as the radical reformers during the time of the Reformation, and they were put to death, people like Felix Manns, uh, they were put to death not by the Roman Catholic Church, but by reformers who were still uh, paedo-baptists or people who believed in infant baptism. So it's not something that's um, insignificant. Uh, J.I. Packer, one of the most famous Anglican uh, theologians, for me, the, probably the most famous would have to be, um, recent would have to be C.S. Lewis in terms of Anglicans, but J.R. Packer says in his work on concise theology, it's the issue of baptism isn't an aspect of nurture. What it's about is the very nature of the way that God has set up his church. So it, it affects the your, the, your view on the sacraments affects your ecclesiology, that affects your eschatology that you have. So these are huge jumps, and it's concerning that we're already, as, as someone who is uh, a pastor in a Southern Baptist church, a youth pastor, uh, minister there ordained by the Southern Baptist church, that we're losing a lot of, of congregants, but to see that we're losing leaders as well, and they're going on very quickly to be teaching completely different things. Um, that's troubling. I mean, to find out if, if you know, if, if there was a Lutheran pastor who was a pastor for 30 years and then they just came out and said, well, they don't believe in baptismal regeneration, that would be a major thing. Um, and it would be concerning for people. People would start to ask questions about that. So I think we should ask questions about that and talk about how we're equipping our leaders because how can we expect our congregants to believe the things that we're preaching and teaching when our own leaders don't? And our leaders who may be in the denomination for decades even may just quite quickly uh, move away from that. So uh, I would like to put down uh, four things, I think, that would help in terms of teaching uh, leaders. Uh, these were things, some scientists put it up, I think John Verveke, I'm not sure about that. He spoke about them, but they're the four P's. I think with anything you do, these are these are good um, principles to have, and I think it really works for how we should teach people in general. How you should, uh, when you're you know looking for churches, this is a way that that you can, um, I think, choose the right place to be at, and it has to do with the four P's. So the first one is uh, when we're teaching leaders, uh, we need to teach them that they need to understand propositional truths. And propositions are just the things that we state. We believe the Bible makes propositions about who God is, what God has done in the world. So, for instance, Christ saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We dogmatically hold to that proposition that Jesus makes there that is a truth statement, and we have to teach it. It is important that people know our doctrines and that people know why we have those doctrines. Our leaders need to be able to uh, publicly proclaim that and to explain that to people who come to them uh, questioning. That's one of the reasons um, you're supposed to be a leader. Uh, you, you are supposed to be equipped and have the ability to tell people why we believe the things that we believe, our distinctions and everything, and... Uh, of course, the mainline understanding of Christianity, the idea that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he died on the cross for our sins, he rose again on the third day, those who have faith in him, put their faith in him, uh, will be saved, have eternal life, those that don't will have e eternal condemnation, those sorts of things. So, 
propositional truth is the first thing. The second P is uh, procedural truth. And uh, we've gone away from this, uh, but the procedural truth is understanding the procedures of the church. The leaders in church need to know uh, how we uh, uh, perform the sacraments. They need to know um, why we perform the sacraments in the way we do. So, for instance, believer's baptism, which is not a small thing, is significantly different than infant baptism. Um and we need to know why we believe it, right? So things like First Peter 3, uh, 19 and 20, talking about um, baptism being something that we make a pledge to God with a clear conscience, with a good conscience. Um, you can't do that as an infant, obviously, uh, that it's about um, faith, repentance, confession of sins, the death of the old man, the rising up of the new man. All of these things are things that baptism signifies. We need to know why we perform the Lord's, uh, the Lord's Supper, communion, uh, and what that represents. We don't believe in transubstantiation, for instance. Uh, you need to have a robust understanding of that. As Baptists, we are the only denomination that has the name of a, uh, of a sacrament as our name. So, as a Baptist, you need to know what baptism is about. And it seems like some of the leaders don't, which obviously will naturally cause confusion with the congregants as well. That's only natural. Um, also, the procedures of uh, the way we uh, hold our services, the type of worship we lead. We don't, in, in the Baptist uh, denomination, we don't have uh, liturgical services. Um, we have hymn singing, we have uh, worship singing, and so on. So those aspects of, of the procedures of our church, the leaders need to know why we do those things, how we do those things, things like church discipline, how that's supposed to be performed. All of those things need to be known. Um, if you don't know them, it would be very difficult to lead the church. So number one is the propositional truths. Number two is the procedural truths. Number three are the truths that we relate through participation. So it's participatory truths. Um, part of that is ensuring that the um, congregants are able to uh, show the gifts that God has given them, their spiritual gifts. And again, that, that even goes into the procedural aspect because we're not Pentecostals as Baptists. So there are things that we do that, that another denomination would not do. But allowing um, your congregants to be able to show their gifts. God has given all of us gifts, and I know in really large churches that's very become very difficult to do. Um, but the, the second part of that is making sure that you are participating in the ministry with the rest of your congregants. As the leader, uh, you are not just someone on stage or someone they read books from or someone that they uh, see on the internet or TV or something like that or the radio. You need to be participating in the ministries of the church that you're in uh, as a leader. That just should, should be a, a no-brainer. We need to be involved with uh, the church body that we're a part of. And part of our ecclesiology, a major part of it in the, the Southern Baptist Church, is the local church. So if you're not functioning with the uh, congregants, with the people that you minister to, there's going to be a sort of a separation, and, and I think we see that with the SBC leadership. There seems to be a gap between their understanding of how congregants in the pews think about certain issues 
versus the way that they think about certain issues and the way that the congregates in the pews express themselves versus the way that they express themselves. So I think that's been a major issue of uh, in recent years and uh, has become a problem. So we have propositional truths, we have procedural truths, we have um, participatory truths, and then we also have, um, the last one is, is the proper perspective. We need to have the right perspective. Most of the people that have been leaving have been leaving for um, sort of the social issues that have, that have occurred um, or personal issues that they're having with people. Uh, Russell Moore, for instance, said he left because he would have to stay and fight if he didn't leave, and that was over um, the various accusations about the uh, sexual misconduct of pastors and so on and the issue within the executive committee. And while all of those things are obviously stressful and difficult, I don't see that as being a reason that you would change your theology. Um, Because the theology that we hold, we hold to be taught in Scripture. Scripture is something that is eternal. The Word was established in the heavens. And so we don't change because of a um, personal situation that's come up. And likewise, the situation with Beth Moore, a lot of the um, controversy or issues surrounding her didn't really come up until she started criticizing uh, President Trump. It was before, I guess, he was president during the uh, 2016 election. And that caused her, uh, obviously, some distress. She was upset about that. And uh, she was upset that there would be people who would support Donald Trump. But that's a social situation, uh, right? That is... uh, uh, sort of a current uh, context we're in, that still shouldn't be enough to change your theology. It shouldn't be enough to bring you out of that theology. Now, there can be criticisms of people who are doing those things if you want, and if you want to have a conversation about that. But that shouldn't change the theology that you've claimed to have held for the past however ever long. she. I think she's been a Southern Baptist her whole life, So, uh, and I believe she's in her 60s. So it, it shouldn't have changed her, um, her positions just because she had a different political opinion. And so the right perspective that the things that we're teaching as leaders, they're eternal things. We can have disagreements and issues about the context or the culture we're in and so on, but uh, up, a complete upheaval of everything that we've grounded ourselves in uh, should not occur because of a social issue. Um, we can start manifesting uh, different sorts of behaviors and saying we need to change for certain things, but the theology that we believe in and the things that we try to act out on a day-to-day basis, our ecclesiology, the way that we um, perform the sacraments, the way that Christ works through our church, is significantly different than a Presbyterian church or a uh, or an Anglican church. Part of the distinctive, why we have the distinctives is because we believe that the other denominations, while still being Christians, and while still having the Holy Spirit working in those people, because they're saved as well, there's an incompleteness there that we believe that we teach We teach the proper way. That's why they're the distinctives. Um, so, for instance, the, full, um, the fullness of baptism is found in one who confesses faith in Christ. 
right? You don't get the fullness of baptism in an infant baptism because there's a sponsor there or because they're being baptized because of the hope that they're going to get saved one day. When we get baptized, that is actually a sign and a seal that we are part of the covenant and that we uh, have been clothed in Christ. For he who has been baptized has been clothed in Christ, according to Galatians 3.27. So that means that we believe we're teaching the appropriate way that the New Testament teaches about baptism. So that should be important to people. Um, It was important to people during the time of the Reformation, during the time of the Middle Ages, uh, even though it was viewed as radical. uh, Sometimes the right biblical things are radical. So um, I think those four things, right, the propositions, the procedures, the participation, and the perspective have been lost. Um, We seem to allow people if they hold the right political perspective or if they're um, someone who we think will sell a lot of books or something, they seem to um, come up and become very prominent voices or they become very high up on the um, leadership ladder there in in the SBC. And um, it's not working out because it's becoming embarrassing at this point that so many people are leaving. We're We're losing more members faster than any denomination in the country. And it's our own leaders leaving to go to completely different denominations. So I just don't think we're equipping our leaders appropriately. We're wanting them to express themselves in a particular way that will allow themselves to sell things or that um, will allow themselves to affirm people's political beliefs. But we're not really teaching them why Baptists are Baptists. Um, You know, what do Baptists today know about someone like Hubmeyer? or Felix Manns, or the Waldensians. Um, I don't know how much they know about that. Um, What do they know about Justin Martyr's perspective on baptism? There's reasons why we hold what we hold. It's not, people didn't just make it up out of nowhere. Um, And there's a history to it that precedes the Reformation. So, um, I was just, it's just concerning that that's going on. So I wanted to bring that up. I think those four P's, uh, the procedures, the, uh, what was it, propositions, the procedures, the participation, and the perspective will help us in equipping our leaders for the future. So that is the conundrum we seem to be in. uh, And hopefully in the new year, some things will change. There'll be some reform. There'll be some renewal from the Holy Spirit in the work of the Southern Baptist churches in our country. So continue to pray for that, and hopefully um, things will turn around. And that's the uh, that's the show for tonight. Uh, remember, to, if, you, if you like it, subscribe, and go check out the new website, revjenkins.org, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.